Amen. Would you turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 9? I'm going to look at some things here. Acts chapter 9. I spoke on this, um, I'm thinking, a few months ago, but I'm, I'm wanting to speak on it again. And uh, it's who we are in Christ. Because God's got a plan for each one of us. Amen. He, he has a wonderful plan for each one of us. And this is about Paul, the apostle. Now, when you read it, he's going to be called Saul. He was first Saul and then later become Paul. And this man did not love our Lord. And if you would have said that he loved Jehovah... You might be correct, but Paul's ministry before he got saved as a Pharisee was more out of a fear of God and not a righteous fear, but also because he believed in the traditions of men and he wanted to excel in the eyes of man. A lot of ministers are that way, even, you know, and a lot of people are that way. You know, Peter, when, when, when they healed a man at, at the gate called Beautiful, and uh, they healed him, and Peter and John, they got in trouble for that. And uh, they said, who do you want us to serve? You or the Lord? Who do you think that we need to be afraid of here? You know, so, so Jesus is the number one cause of problems in the world today. It's not Jehovah, because a lot of people now mix Allah and Jehovah together. Oh, same God. No, they're not. They're not. Now, people, listen to me. They are not. Jehovah is Jehovah. He's the Father. And the Son is Jesus, the only Son. And the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. And that's the triune Godhead, and they are the only existence of deity. There's no other deity. For you who were Catholic, Mary is not deity. She was a woman who was born and was selected to bear Jesus Christ. That's who she was. Now, she was a good woman, and God loved her, but she was a selection to bear the Lord Jesus Christ. She was not God's wife, as some think. And the devil and Jesus are not brothers, as the Mormons would say. How many of you ever heard of Rabbi Zacharias? He's, I took a class under him. He's a phenomenal teacher. And uh, they asked him about Mormonism. And he didn't mince no words. He said, it is a cult. Oh, wait a minute. They believe in Jesus. No, they don't. They believe in him as a prophet and as, the, as, a, as a brother of the devil. Wow. One good, one bad. Jesus is the problem that you have right now. 
What are you going to do with Jesus? See, here's the deal. The deal is we're going to stand before him. And when I was a younger guy, I thought, man, I got a lot of time left. Now, if you'd have said you got a lot, I would have lied to you and say, well, I don't know, you know. But when I was a younger guy, I thought I had a lot of time left. Well, that happened so quick that I'm not young anymore. Now, I'm not as old as some of these folks, but I'm a lot, a lot older than some of you. Don't laugh at me like that, Jeff. You're getting there, buddy. When I first met Jeff, he was a kid. And now he's an old man. Looks older than me. That's on Facebook. I'll pick on you in a minute. But it, it goes fast. And then we, we think about how we start. But it's not so important how we start as it is how we finish. And we need to finish strong. And everyone who hears my voice understands we need to finish strong. I'm not in my message yet, but I like what Paul the Apostle said to uh, Felix. I mean to Festus. He said, I stand before you with a clear conscience. He did. He said, I stand before you with a clear conscience. He also said, when you try to make me feel bad, I think myself happy. He said that. And, and we know that Paul the Apostle had, 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 had many people killed and imprisoned. Whether he took a life by his own hand is, is not an omission. I mean, he condoned people to die. And yet he says, I stand before you with the clean, clear conscience. What's he talking about? He's talking about his sins were forgiven. The old man died, and it's not about how he started. It's about how he's finishing, and he's finishing strong. He said, I fought a good fight. He said, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's a crown laid up for me, not for me only, but for you too, if you'll do it. It's amazing what he says. His name is Jesus. That's what the controversy and the problem is, is Jesus. If we eliminated that name and eliminated Jesus out of our churches, we wouldn't have no problems. Churches would be growing like you can't believe. We wouldn't have no problem. If, if we wouldn't take a stand against the abominable things that are happening today, we wouldn't have no problem. If, if we didn't take a stand against abortion, we wouldn't have no problem. If we didn't stay, take a stand against homosexuality, we wouldn't have a problem. We wouldn't have no problems. And by the way, a woman has an abortion. God doesn't throw her away. He'll forgive her also. God doesn't throw anybody away. He doesn't throw a person that, that practices homosexuality. He don't throw them away. He doesn't throw Muslims away. He don't throw men away. When I say men, I mean you women too. Okay. All right, so, so when I say that, well, that's not politically correct. I don't really care. I, I'm not politically correct, and I'm never going to be, and I'm mean. I know, I'm better than I used to be, though. People say, man, you're really mellowing out, Pastor. 
My son told me one day, he said, I really don't like it. And I said, well, I do. I like being nicer. It don't have near the consequences involved. It don't, man. The soft word turns away wrath. Uh-uh, I know that. for I, About two years ago, I decided that I was going to turn away wrath with the soft word. And I've been practicing that for two years. And I'm telling you, it works on me. It don't work on the one that's mean. they they got to deal with that. It, de- it works with me, though. See, it's about this name, Jesus. See, Paul, he loved working for Jehovah. I don't know if he loved him. If you ask him, he probably would say, yeah, I love him. But he, he was zealous for the traditions of men. He wanted to be the top at West Point. He wanted to be the top of his class. That's who he wanted to be. He, he just wanted that. Okay. I'm telling you, that little girl's going to get what she's asking for. And so in Rick, I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to stay before the Lord. I have no problem with that. I don't care if she doesn't listen to me. That's fine. She's listening to the Holy Spirit. Praise God for that. I mean, there's sometimes, sometimes you just got to have the tenacity of a bulldog and just hold on, man, and go after that thing. And so he, he went, he, we follow after the traditions of men ourselves. And so, so this guy, he, he's, he's Paul and he's known by everybody. He's, he's got a reputation. But in the book of Acts in the ninth chapter, Something happens to him. And uh, what happens to him is that he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. Somebody says, he has an encounter with God. No, he had an encounter with Jesus. Now, I know Jesus is God. But he didn't have an encounter with God. He had an encounter with Jesus, who is God. And, and this is altogether different because he had had encounters with God. But, I, but I, to me, I think that when, when Saul saw Stephen persecuted, that something internally happened to him that he couldn't just get away from. And what happened was he saw the revelation of the triune Godhead. And the Bible says that Stephen, being filled with the Holy Ghost, looked steadfast towards heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Boy, you can't get a better explanation than the Trinity than that. And Paul encounters and witnesses this. And he's condoning that they stoned Stephen. He never did stop it. But he has witnessed something now. And now he is going to have an encounter with this triune God. He's going to have an encounter with the one that he's killing people for. It's an amazing thing to me. The United States of America needs to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. The church in the United States needs to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Families need to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Our government needs to have an encounter with Jesus. 
I'm tired, a little bit tired of these senators and these congressmen who claim to be Christians but are afraid to stand and speak truth. I'm tired of that. I'm, I'm just tired of that. I want to see somebody get radical. Now, my, I, I went to my brother's last night. We, we, have, we have, once a month, we uh, go out to eat. We used to go to Galvin's, but we don't get there no more. And we went to that Texas Roadhouse. Why does anybody go there? You can't hear. I couldn't hear my brother talking across the table. And my wife tells him, it's for me, it's my birthday. I'm thinking, oh, my birthday was last month. <laughs> and they said, well, good, we're going to bring that saddle out. And you're going, I said, I ain't riding nothing. No, get away from me. I, that's a horrible place. So loud. And usually we get to sit around and we get to talk and it's fellowship. I enjoy being with my brother and my sisters. I enjoy being with some of my outlaws. You didn't get that, did you? I told my sister, you know what? I prayed for the food. My sister said, that ain't good enough. Pray again. So I prayed the same prayer and she said, no, that's better. That's the truest thing in the world. That girl needs saved. Michael, you need saved. All right. Sandy Chester said, don't you know she listens to that every week? So we're, we're, we're having this, and, 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 and when we would come to Galvin's, we'd stay all night, wouldn't we? You know, and sometimes you'd come and share with us, wouldn't you? But, man, we just wanted to get out of there. You ever, I just wanted to get out of there. I couldn't hear. You know, it was terrible, you know. And uh, that place was packed. Why do people love that? Okay, I don't know. But anyway, we went over to my brother's house. And uh, he pulls out this movie he's wanting me to see. Has anybody ever watched this, A Man Named John, J-O-N? You need to watch a fantastic movie. It's about this associate pastor that the Spirit of God gets on him and he starts to run. And he's in a nominal church and he's embarrassing everybody, including his family. And so he even got in there, his dad, and different ones, and they asked him not to do that no more. Don't you know that's embarrassing? And he promised him. He said, I'll never do it again. But every time they get to sing, man, the Spirit of God come on, his feet start moving, man. He's up and running around this church, white church, white as can be, white church. No, no people of color in that church. So they, the deacons get a petition to get rid of him. And out of the church, only five people did not sign the petition because he embarrassed everybody. And so they give him his own church, a black church. And so when he goes into this black church and the black people see that they got a white pastor, they just faint. Funny, I just cried, just faint. And the woman, she woke up and she saw him again, she fainted. Why are they bringing a white pastor into a black church? You know, well, their problem was, was with, the, with, with the associate pastor. But anyway, them black people, boy, they can sing, they can dance, they can do it. And so this is perfect for him. He gets up and takes off running, and they love him from that day on. 
Come on in here. We went to a missionary Baptist, Pastor Bill and uh, Mark Linder. Mark Linder had never been in a black church. But I grew up in Elwood, and I grew up in a community of black people. There were very few white people where I grew up. And I grew up on the north side years ago in Elwood, which was probably 75% black and uh, uh, poor white people because none of the black people lived on the south side of the tracks of Elwood. Now, there was no rich people in Elwood. They thought they were, but they were very prejudiced. And right in the middle of Elwood is the railroad tracks, and the poor black people lived on the north side, and the richer white people, who they thought they were rich, but they weren't rich, you know, they lived on the south side. And I think it's still that way, if you want to know the truth. Is that right? Still Elwood? Elwood? Come on, don't tell me that. Them people didn't get saved. Don't tell me that. Them people are heathens over there. I don't know. Ooh, this is on Facebook. All right. I got a lot of friends over there. Just teasing. Okay, but anyway, and so I grew up with, with went going to school with black people. Went to school in 1955 when they, we, you know, they brought the court system together and said black and white kids can go to school together. I, I was in the first grade in 1955. So it wasn't strange to me not to be around black people. And so, man, we're in that black missionary Baptist church, isn't that right? And these people could sing, right? So I, I just said, hey, throw this white boy that microphone, didn't I? And they threw that, 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 that microphone to me. I sang to them black people. Man, they got rhythm. I got rhythm. No, they don't sing that. But anyway, and so then when I started preaching, man, I preached them, I preached them deacons right out of their pews. Listen to me, because there is a, there in that culture, they have the idea that they aren't in church unless they praise the Lord, unless something dynamic is going on. And we could learn that in our white churches. By the way, we shouldn't have no white churches. And we shouldn't have no black churches. We should have multicultural churches. Amen. Praise God. We should have that. We should. We should. Hey, if, if a Muslim walked in that door, you should greet him as you'd greet anybody else. Hoping that he received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. But anyway, so this guy takes off running. And, and what happens is, is the whole dynamic of the situation takes place. This way Paul the Apostle was. Here, here's what was going on with Paul. Paul wanted to excel in front of men. Okay? And so this takes us to our, 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 our sermon. And I'm not going to hold you long. Okay? How many of you see my convertible sitting out there? It's going in a car show today. I just got it running. I've had it forever. I've had it for a long time, but it, it needed some work. So we're going to a car show today. So I was supposed to get you out of here early. It ain't going to happen. All right, here we go. So I want to talk about three men. And the first man I want to talk about is Paul the Apostle. Okay? And listen to Paul. Paul loved Jehovah. But Paul is not saved because he fights Jesus. And in Acts chapter 9 and verse 5, Paul is going to have now an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus is going to say to Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he says something and he said, who are you, Lord? He said, who are you, Lord? He meant, who are you, Jesus? Because he's having an encounter here that is 
an encounter like he has never known. And it is going to change everything in his life. Instantly, he is going to be changed. When God works in a man, he works instantly. And so when the Lord comes in and he saves us, there's an instant change that takes place inside of us. And the instant change that takes place inside of us is that one guy dies and another comes to life. How many of you understand that? As soon as you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, one man dies and another man comes to life. The one man that dies is the old Saul. And the new man who comes to life is the new Paul. How many of you got a hold of that? And so he's saying something. He he did not say, what's going on here? He didn't say that. He He didn't ask the questions that we might ask. He said, who are you Lord, because he knows he's having an encounter that is different than any encounter that he has ever had before. When the church of God is persecuted, it is a direct assault against Christ the church because the church is his body. And so the Lord says to this, he says, you are persecuting me. And understand this one thing. How is he persecuting Jesus? He's never encountered Jesus. Jesus has already died. Jesus has resurrected and went to heaven. How is Saul persecuting Jesus? Well, let me tell you how he's persecuting him. He's persecuting the church. And the church is the body of Jesus Christ. And so he says this. He says, why are you persecuting me? Is what he's saying. The church is being persecuted today, especially in other nations, and it's a direct assault against the Lord Jesus Christ. A direct assault against the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what man knows. Man knows he can't kill God and he can't kill Jesus. So he'll destroy the church. But what happens when the church is persecuted? Just like in the case of Saul, there is a direct happening with Jesus that changes the whole situation. You got problems in your life? Maybe you've never had a direct encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this. He says, you, who are you, Lord? Uh, Which means Paul, to me, this means to me that Paul has been under conviction for quite some time. I'm going to make a statement here that I don't know is true, but I feel that it's true. I feel the world is under conviction. I feel the world is under tremendous conviction. I don't feel that the world has seared itself. You see, because you can continue in a sin and finally sear yourself in that sin, and it don't bother you no more. If sin right now in your life and it's bothering you, you need to thank the Lord. It's when it stops bothering you that you have problems. God doesn't care if you come to the altar 100 times to get rid of that thing. But God really cares about when it stops bothering you. That's when you 
have a problem. So the world fights Jesus. Isn't that right? So the world is under conviction. So what happens when the world is under conviction? Got to come to the Lord. We should be standing on the, the point of the biggest revival ever recorded in the history of mankind. And we get to be part of that. How about that soul winners for the Lord Jesus Christ? Man, I'm not even on my message. I'm probably not even going to go there. Soul winners for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you want to be soul winners for the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of you want to impact the world, not just this church, but impact the world itself? Somebody said to me one time, said, how big's your church? And I said, how big's the world? That, uh, a young man, he said, well, pastor, how big is your church? And I said, well, how big is the world? Impact the world. Saul, Paul is going to have an impact that's going to be worldwide. Listen, that wasn't just for him. That's for us too. So if the world is under conviction, that means the world is wanting to get saved. Ooh. You see, Saul, you know, this is not my message, Lord. It really isn't. Saul was under such conviction, all he wanted to do was get saved. How many of you understand that when you fight God the hardest, that means that you're the closest to him? When you fight him the hardest, that means he's penetrating you. When he's bringing conviction to you because of the pornography, because of the drugs, because of the homosexuality, because of the abortion. When he's bringing conviction to you with all of those things, that means he's close to you and he wants to do something about that. He's not judging you. He wants to deliver you. Somebody say amen to that. The world is under conviction. So here's what I feel that the, the, the Lord is telling me to tell you. If, if you believe what I'm preaching right now, he will equip you with what it takes to win the world. And these signs shall follow them who believe. And in my name they shall, what? Deliver people from demons. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall, hey, this is a good one. They shall pick up snakes and it shall not hurt them. Somebody, that, that's, that's not a snake handling church. I don't preach in those. When we had Tennessee, some about 20, 25 years ago, they said, be careful when you get, because we still have snake handlers. I said, tell me where they are because I ain't going. You mean if I ain't going, period, I'm not going. You say, that's loss of faith. No, -uh, that's stupid. The guy that started that thing died of a snake bite. Now, what do you think of that? You didn't know that? That's truth. The guy, he's got a name and he, you know, he's on the wall of shame, by the way. If, do you know that if you die by a snake bite in that church, they put you on a wall of shame? You didn't know that? I'd be on that wall of shame. But but he, he'll equip you, and so that, that, that snake, and, and here's what it was all about. They've had snake charmers forever. They've had snake charmers. They've got cobras and vipers everywhere. Let me tell you something. Them apostles, they're, they're walking down the road, and the snake's in their way. They moved it. You didn't get that, did you? They moved it. They're walking down. And those, everybody had a fear of those snakes and those snake charmers and different things. They couldn't get it. But as those apostles just walking, the snake would come up there and just move that snake. 
Got that? They just moved by snake. He said, you shall lift up those snakes. You shall move them. They shall not harm you. How many of you know that you can just kick that old snake out of the way? I am not talking by experience. I do not pick up snakes. Pastor Pickle scared me so bad the other day. We're in the golf cart. And there's a snake on my side. Coiled up, man, ready to go. And he's, get this thing out of here, man. The snake's right there. It's a big snake. It's probably that long. Probably that long. But it looked like that long. I'm telling you. But he said, he said, if we would win the lost, if we would go after the lost, he said he would equip us. And what's he going to equip us with? He's going to allow us to operate in the miraculous. And what is that? To open the blinded eyes, to see the dead raised. Come on, people. Somebody give me a shout of amen. Listen, I want it. Why is that? Because listen, it is not to save anybody. A miracle is not to save you. A miracle is to draw people in for salvation. Somebody say man, because if eyes are if blinded eyes are open, people are going to come. You think that if we raised a man up from the dead here that'd been dead for 3 days, this church wouldn't be full next Sunday? Huh? You think if there was blind people started to come here and all of a sudden their eyes weren't were open that this church wouldn't be full? Come on, people. But it's not, to, not, it's, it's not for anything but just to say, okay, come to hear salvation preached to you that you might live. Somebody say, man, listen, the world is under conviction as Paul was under conviction. And as Paul was under conviction, he meets the one who is going to bring to him life. And he's going to use him. We got a man named Ananias. And Ananias is used one time in the Bible. And do you know why he's used one time? That is to bring the Apostle Paul to Jesus. Because God has got a plan. Now, I don't know who I'd rather be, Ananias or the Apostle Paul. But let me tell you something about both of them. They did an amazing work. Okay, hear you, Lord. I want to go over here. So he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. This is what this tells us. It tells us that Paul is having an experience with the Holy Spirit before he encounters Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. Saul knew the Lord because of his presence when he was witnessing the, the, the persecution and the martyrism of Timothy I mean, of Stephen. Let me tell you what he felt. He felt a presence there that he had never felt before. And the presence that he felt was the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you walk into a restaurant and you become who God wants you to be, you'll come in with a different presence. You don't have to say, I am a Christian. You don't have to walk in there and start saying who you are. Holy Spirit will reveal who you are by the way that you live. Let me tell you what being saved does. It draws us into a holiness. And it brings us into the presence of God. And where the presence of God is, it brings us into a holiness encounter with the Lord. How many of you want to have a holiness encounter with the Lord? Listen to me, don't become so fundamentalist that you drive people away from God. 
but be at that place where you draw people to the Lord. And, and here we got a young man, Stephen, and he's not in my notes, but here we got a young man, Stephen, who is drawing people to the Lord. And they're so under conviction that they gnash, they run at him, they stone him because they don't know what to do with this conviction. And right now you might be sitting in a place right, you don't know what to do with God. It's called conviction right now. It's called God is calling you to do something and understand what conviction does. It's either going to bring you to or run you away. How many of you understand that it's going to bring you to the Lord or it's going to run you away? Everyone has a ministry that, that God wants to use through them, whether it's great or whether it's a one-time thing like Ananias. So in Acts chapter 9 and verse 9, Saul's entire life now is in the awe and the presence of God. Jesus has Saul's complete attention. When's the last time that Jesus had your complete attention? Your complete attention. Saul, Saul is having this encounter with God and he's just wrapped up in the presence of God. When's the last time that you had an encounter just being wrapped up in the presence of God? When's the last time? When's the last time that God just took you and blinded you? Because you, he, he wanted your entire presence. When, 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 when Paul has, Saul has this encounter with God, he's blinded. Every single thing about him, God has his attention. Nothing lacking. He's got his attention. And he knows that this is God. He knows this is the presence of God. He can't put a label on it. He can't say this is what's happening. But he knows, man. That something, he's had an encounter with God as he's never had an encounter before. And this encounter is going to change every single thing about him. It's going to do something in him that's never been done before. Listen to me, people, before I let you go here this morning. Don't stop believing in miracles. And don't stop, and, and, and don't believe because you're at a certain age, God is saying, okay, it's time to wind down now. People are telling me that. It's not time for me to wind down. I don't feel like winding down. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach this thing till I go home to be with the Lord. I want to be like my dad. My dad had dementia or Alzheimer's. I, can't, I didn't know which one it was. But I know he wasn't in his mind all the time. And I know when he got up to preach, he forget where he's preaching, so he started a new message. And we had to sit there until he got done. He'd start, one, he'd start another message. Lord, he preached all day long. That's Harold. He just preached all day long. Man, he forget where he was. He started again. Evangelist said to my dad one time, he said, how long do I get to preach? My dad said, preach all night, but we're leaving at nine. You know? I mean, that's kind. Of, that's why I'm going to be. I'm, I want to leave this thing strong. How many of you want to leave this thing strong? And and I don't want to end this thing. 
Because, you know, years ago I had an encounter with God that changed everything about me. Listen to me, I made many mistakes and still do. But I'm finding out as I get older that I'm actually getting younger in the Lord spiritually too. too. And, and I'm not talking about uh, a we-are-son maturity. I'm talking about the more I know God and the closer I walk with him, he is more my father today than he was when I was first saved. Now, he was 100% my father then as he is now, but my relationship with changing with him is because he loves me the way I am. And listen, when I make mistakes, he doesn't do anything about it. He just lets me learn from them, even now. I get to grow strong. I had an encounter with Jesus at the age of 21 years old that has, is still with me today. And it's never going to change in my life. Listen to what I, what, he just keeps growing and growing and growing. And then Paul, before Paul passes away, he talks about how he's attaining unto and he doesn't look back anymore. And he's talking about how he's reaching out for the prize, of, of, of the, the, the mark of the high calling. How he's reaching out to the Lord and he's going after God with all his heart. And he was an old man. He called himself in the, in the book of Philemon, he called himself Paul the Aged. He was an old man. He was a young man when he started that, this race with the Lord. And he's an old man and he's had so many horrible things happen to him. And yet his spirit... Spirit is getting younger and younger and he's going forward and he's going forward. And listen to this. He said, man, I'm going to finish this thing strong. How many of you want to finish this strong? You want an encounter with God. Have you ever had an encounter with God? Because I think one of the problems that we have in the church is that people don't really have an encounter with God anymore. Hey, let's stand. Maybe I'll preach this next Sunday. Or maybe I won't. Okay. Ananias has to go and do some things for the Lord. Ananias, he was just a devout man, but he lived in the presence of the Almighty, waiting for one encounter. Maybe all you're ever going to have is that one encounter, and God's getting you ready for that one encounter right now. Maybe God's giving you right now that encounter to an encounter of Billy Graham, to encounter a Saul. Maybe you're a Saul. Maybe you're a Paul. I don't know. But this is one thing that I know, is that Paul had an encounter with God that changed everything about him. And it changed him to the fact that he could be persecuted. He didn't complain. You know what's amazing to me is this statement. Listen. When he's standing before Festus. And he said, Festus. He said, these charges have been brought against me. They're not true. But he says to Festus, he says this. He says, Festus. If you can find where I have committed a crime against the Roman government, then you have the right to kill me, and I will allow you to do that. That's what he said. 
He says to Festus, he says, he says that. He said, Festus, I stand before you an innocent man. He says to Agrippa, I stand before you an innocent man. He said, I have a clear conscience. He said, I haven't done anything wrong. He said, you know what this big deal's about? He said, this big deal is about the resurrection. He said, this big deal is about the resurrection of the dead. And he said, you know what I want to tell you, Festus? Is there was a man, his name was Jesus. He died on the cross and he rose up the thir- on the third day. He was resurrected from the dead. And when Festus says to Agrippa, he said, you know, Agrippa, what this thing's all about? And, and Agrippa says what? He says, some guy died named Jesus and he rose from the dead. He said, what's that all about? That's what they're holding him for. Because they hated Jesus. They didn't hate Paul. They hated what Paul stood for. They hated the encounter that Paul had. Religion will hate the encounter that you will have because some of you might start to run. And believe me, believe me, believe me when I say this. If Sue starts to run and shout, some of you will be embarrassed. You will. And even though you'll smile and clap, you'll say, boy, I hope she don't do that no more. Oh, yeah, you will. You'll lie to yourself. Because, man, when God starts to move and people have an encounter with Jesus Christ, things start to happen that rocks the church. Rocks the church. Oh, don't speak in tongues. We don't need that no more. We need that more today than we've ever needed it. We need that. We need that gift. We need that gift manifested in church. We need the gift of prophecy, the interpretation of tongues, the gifts of healing. Think of that. The power gifts, the vocal gifts, the revelation gifts. We need those gifts today more than we've ever needed. We need an encounter with Jesus that engulfs us. And if it has to be, scales put on our eyes. Scales, those scales were only put on his eyes, not to blind him, but make him totally, totally, totally dependent. And it wasn't dependent on Jesus at that time. It was totally dependent with on whoever is going to come to him to help him. And God says, Ananias, go over there. That man's had an encounter with me and he needs you amazing thing i say father god bring an encounter to this church bring it to this city bring it to this state bring it to this nation bring it to this world shake the timbers father god we want to see people of all colors in this church father god i i don't want this church to be accused of being a white church i feel sorry for my black brothers father god who just want a black church Or my Chinese brothers who want a Chinese church. Father God, we need an encounter with you. If you need an encounter with the Lord, just start to worship him right now. You need that encounter. You need an encounter with Jesus like you've never needed one before. Then just lay out there before him. Let him touch you.